Awesome. Good morning, Calvary. How are you today? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Are you ready for the word? Great. Grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks. We're going to jump into today's message. We're talking about kingdom expansion today. Say kingdom. Expansion. How God grows and expands his kingdom and how he's going to use you to do it. We're kind of couching it in this Indiana Jones theme because if you're an Indiana Jones fan at all, you'll know that he kind of spent his time going and discovering kind of biblical treasures and bringing them kind of into light so everybody could see them and enjoy them. And that's what we're doing. We're going and rediscovering some of these biblical treasures of the kingdom of God. Things like your authority in Christ, things like the king and your connection to the king, and you are a king's kid. Somebody say amen. 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 Things that God has promised you with great and precious promises, and they're all inside of the kingdom of God, which has been going on for eternity. And when Jesus came, he opened the door so we could get back in to God's system and not be subjected to just what we live in in this fallen world or the devil's plans. We get to step out of that fallen system and into God's system. And we're grateful for that. So today we're going to talk about kingdom expansion. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 17, you can write this down. I'll get into some more scriptures. Got lots of scriptures today, but I want to read this to you just off the beginning. From the Amplified Classic Version, the Bible says, Luke 17, 20 through 21, asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he, Jesus, replied to them by saying, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display, nor will people say, look, here it is, or see, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you, in your hearts, and among you, surrounding you. So Jesus in this moment is telling individuals, look, we're in the middle of a Roman occupation right now. He's in Israel, and they're in the middle of a Roman occupation, and there's a big kingdom right there staring them in the face. And they see kingdoms throughout, you know, their area, and they've seen kingdoms come and kingdoms go. And he was telling them, look, don't be looking externally right now for some established building or some established physical kingdom. The kingdom of God that I have come, Jesus has come to preach, and that Jesus has come to reintroduce to you is one that you don't see with your physical eyes. He plants it in our heart. He plants it inside of us, which is great. That means it goes with you everywhere you go. That means that nothing that happens externally can take it from you. Somebody get excited about that. You have access to the eternal realm and kingdom and authority of God, and he has access to you. And so he's saying, look, people get excited about, hey, go over here. There's a big move over there, a big revival going on over there. Or go over here. This is a big thing on the outside. And, and those things are great. But the most exciting thing isn't some place that you have to fly around the world to go find God, but that God and his kingdom has set up a residence right here on the inside of each and every one of us. When you're in a tough spot, a hospital situation, or you've just lost your job at work and stuff, you don't have to go to the kingdom of God. You are connected to the kingdom of God. And that connection to the kingdom of God is going to get you through anything you're facing in the life right now. Amen. We carry the kingdom of God. You carry right now inside of you the kingdom of God. 
You release the kingdom of God. That's who you are. Your kingdom ambassadors, heirs of the kingdom, sons and daughters of the kingdom. When you open your mouth, you release the kingdom. When you work with your hands and you love and sow seeds of helpfulness and, and you serve on behalf of God, you're releasing the work of the kingdom. Are you understanding this? You declare the king's wills and the king's word in a situation, and that same authority comes through your mouth and backs it up. You are a carrier of the kingdom. You release the kingdom. It is not a physical place. It is a system and a culture that we carry on the inside of us. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Genesis chapter 8. Let's go and get into our Bibles, and we'll kind of quickly start laying some more foundation here. So that big thing I wanted to talk to you about in the beginning is the kingdom of God right now, right now, currently, for us, is invisible. It's real. It's more real than the physical realm we live in. But to our eyes, it is invisible. You are a part of the kingdom. You carry the kingdom. It is in the inside of you right now. You have to catch that today for everything else to be meaningful to you and to make sense. Genesis chapter 8. I want to talk to you about seeds. Seeds. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. The King James Version says it like this, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Say seed, time, harvest. Break it up in your notes. Say seed plus time equal harvest, equals harvest. Seed, time, harvest. Everything God does starts with a seed. And then there's the element of time. And in that time, there's an unseen portion where that seed is planted. Say planted. And sometimes you can't see what's going on under the earth, in the ground, under the dirt. But that seed is growing. God's Word works like that. God's Word, encaptured in the husk or in the seed, of God's word is all the power to produce the word that he sends. And you plant that word in your heart and it will, over time, produce a harvest. Jesus is God's seed in the earth. And in that moment, it just looked like a baby being born. But that baby was planted, amen? And from that seed, God brought the whole world to himself. Amen, gave him opportunity to bring the whole world to himself. Everything is seed plus time plus har equals harvest. I want you to capture that today. The kingdom of God works like this. As long as the earth remains, seed, say seed, plus time equals harvest. Too many times we get discouraged in the time part. Amen? We get all excited about the seed part. That could be a sermon like today. You're receiving a seed. You're like, woohoo! I got that seed. I've got that promise. I, there's power been deposited in me. And then you want to walk out the door and see harvest. But you forgot about the time. You forgot about the time. There's things that God's working in the unseen realm. And the same thing's true as He plants the kingdom in us, it's working itself out into our lives. And then he plants you, and I'm going to talk about this today, into environments, into soils, and you planted in the soils that God plants you 
give it time, you will bring forth much harvest in the soils that God has planted you. But you might sit there and say, nothing's changing. I've been a teacher in this school system for two, three, four, five years. Give it time because inside of you is the kingdom. And you just keep being planted and growing where you're planted and give it time and you will bring forth much fruit in that soil of education. Amen. Seed plus time equals harvest. Matthew chapter 13, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Don't you love the Word of God? That is the main event for us is coming and hearing the Word today. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Have you found it? Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. And that night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted, planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds grew as well. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You will uproot the wheat if you do. Let them both grow together until harvest. Then I'll tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them in bundles, and burn them. And put, then I'll put the wheat in barns. Verse 31. Jesus went on to another illustration. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows. That seed, I love that. There's, there's confidence in that. That seed, he says, it grows. He never wonders whether or not that seed's going to grow. It grows into a tree, and the birds come and make nests in its branches. Let's talk a little bit about these two illustrations. Jesus was very clearly saying that the kingdom of God is sown like a seed, and it's sown into soil. Seed must be planted into soil. Amen. And God's going to plant you into different soils in this earth. But you know what? The devil does the same thing. He plants people into certain soils of this earth as well. His seeds produce weeds. But God's seed in you produces the kingdom. Fruitfulness, life-giving, nourishing, wonderful fruit. Amen. But the devil uses the same system. He takes people and he plants them into certain environments and soils in the earth. And sometimes we get frustrated saying, God, if I'm going to produce fruit for the kingdom, then you've got to get rid of all these weeds. And God says, don't worry about the weeds. Get your eyes off the weeds. That doesn't concern you. What concerns you is that I have planted you somewhere. What concerns you is what I've put on the inside of you. And what I've put on the inside of you will keep growing in spite of all those weeds. Stop worrying about the weeds and just grow and just produce. Amen. God will sort it all out at the end, but stop using other people as an excuse for you not to produce what God has destined you and called you to produce. You are connected to the kingdom of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have access to the throne of grace. Are you understanding me today, church? You are carriers of the kingdom. You release the kingdom. In God's wisdom, he decided that the weeds and the, and the, and the, and the wheat would just grow together. And for some reason, he says, if I remove all the weeds, it's going to somehow hurt the wheat. 
Do you understand that sometimes those people in your life that are negative and don't even know God, and they're even hostile towards you, and they cause you some trial and tribulation, that in some ways they're actually making you better because they're making you have to put your roots down deeper. They're making you have to reach up higher. So you want to thank them. Thank you for the hassle that you've been to my life. And you have done your job well. You have been a great thorn in my flesh. Congratulations. You are a champion of annoyance. But you keep growing. Stop letting other people have so much authority over your life that if that person would just leave, if that person would just quit, if that person would just get out of the way, then I would produce. You will produce anyway. You will always produce because you are God's kingdom. Amen. In the earth, connected to him. Are you getting anything out of this so far? The kingdom is like good seed planted in a field. We're just getting this in our spirit. Since God's kingdom is within us, he plants us in fields. He plants you in fields. Are you starting to see this illustration today? See yourself like a seed. Inside of you contains the kingdom of God, the connection to the kingdom of God, the power of that kingdom, the authority of that kingdom, the fruits of that kingdom the culture of that kingdom. It's all inside of you. It's all inside of each and every one of us. Amen. So then God takes that seed that you are, like the husk of a seed, the shell of a seed. All of that kingdom is inside of you. He takes you and he plants you into soils in the earth. Mountaintops of culture and influence. Some preachers over the last 10, 15 years have really popularized this concept. And I've taken some of it today, and I want to share it with you about these mountaintops of influence. Mountains are made of soil. Do you understand that? Mountains are made of dirt. Hallelujah. And so we're going to use this concept of mountaintops of influence as different soils that God plants us into. I want to talk to you about influence and culture and kingdoms because those mountaintops of influence represents the kingdoms of this world represents the kingdoms of this world, which were given over to the devil at the fall of man. We talked about this last week, if you were with us. If not, I would encourage you to watch the first message of this series, because it will all build on itself. In Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, write it down. When Jesus was being tempted of the devil, the devil took him up into a high mountain, the Bible says in King James. The devil took him up into a high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, in one moment of time, what are the kingdoms of the world? I'm telling you, they're the kingdoms that influence and shape the world. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, all this power I will give you, Jesus, and the glory of them, for it is delivered unto me. How was it delivered unto him? Because God had delegated this realm, the Garden of Eden, the earth, to his children. The highest heavens are the Lord's, the Bible says in Psalms, but the earth he's given to men, his children. He gave it to Adam and Eve. And it's those under rulers or the dominion delegated authority that he presented in the earth, he told them that they would have dominion, that they would rule this land, not each other, but the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, 
the cattle on the ground, everything that creeps. You have authority over all the creeps. Can I get an amen? But those kings under the king bowed their knee to the devil, submitted to him. And in that moment, they gave their authority over to him. And all the kingdoms of this realm now had been handed to him in that moment. And he said, I'll give it to whomever I, I desire, whomever I will. Let's talk about some of these soils, these mountaintops. Remember, he took Jesus up to a high mountain and showed him all the other mountains or kingdoms of the world. Some of these mountaintops today that kind of make up kingdoms, that make up our culture, that influence everything that touches us are things like this. The mountaintop of religion. Let me make sure we're all in the same. Yeah, mountaintop of religion. We can see throughout all the earth how religion shapes the way we think, do. Wars have been fought over religion. All kinds of you know, marriages and how we see men and women, how we see even what we do with our money, what we see, what we, how people treat even the animals and everything. Religion, religion, religion highly influences everything. Government. Obviously, we're all affected by the governments we're a part of. You can look throughout the earth. There's certain realms that are kingdom-based, some are tribe-based, some are democracy-based. But government is one of the high mountains, one of the kingdoms that establishes the whole culture of humanity. Are you understanding this so far? Religion, government, these are the kingdoms of the earth that affect everything. Education, what we teach our youth, Come on now. Their belief, their philosophy, mathematics, science, even history or how we choose to rewrite it. Come on. Shapes the next generation, shapes the culture. It is a, it is a mountaintop of influence. Amen. Media, which would be the news media, the sharing of information. When the news media decides on something and they just want to give you that one side of the story, they are shaping and influencing culture. Come on now. News media is very powerful because they tell you what to be afraid of. They tell you what to believe. They tell you what's happening. They're your prophets of today, but they don't know anything. They're not prophets sent by God. Come on. But I'm just showing us that media is important. And there have been some tremendous journalists, I wanna remind us over the years, there have been some tremendous truthful journalists that brought real news and really changed the culture by bringing awareness to things that needed to be brought to awareness. You can go through even our, our American history and see when there was like issues in the meatpacking companies and things that were going on with child labor and things that were really super important. So media is a powerful tool. So I don't want us to let go of it and saying, oh, it's just, a, it's just a bunch of nonsense or they're just a bunch of negative sayers. What I'm trying to communicate to you today is that God is calling some of you into this mountaintop or into this mountaintop, or into this mountaintop, or into this mountaintop. Because these mountaintops are not going away. They exist and they will continue to exist. So it's important who's on the top. You can't pray away the mountain. Come on, 
that mountain of influence is going to exist. It's going to create and shape culture and society. So news is just one, journalism is just one, but that would also be our authors. May God call forth some godly authors that can share just even entertainment because some of the stories that we share, books that we read, even novels, you understand, they can, they can create heroes in our heart and they can create, inspire us to do great things and we read them to our children and it begins to set our kids to understand principles and ideas at an early age that sets their path. We need some godly authors again, writing books, letting the kingdom of God on the inside of them come through the books you write. But medias, books, movies, come on, music, those things are not going away. You can sit there and complain all the time, all that music. And why do we have that tone, right? That music. <laughs> what we need, music isn't going away. What we need is kingdom of God seeds sown into these mountaintops, sports, entertainment, all these things affect and shape us. Family, business, family, business. Let me kind of, whoops, let me kind of talk about this because I'm getting excited and ahead of myself and I'm not gonna do it the way I wanna do it. Look, now I've kind of shared some of these mountaintops with you, so I have a cup of seeds. Let's kind of play with this illustration a little bit. Yes, God needs, now first of all, I don't like the fact that Christianity is classified as a religion because God never came to have a religion. Came to establish a kingdom, to let us back into his kingdom. And how was he gonna do that? A king was gonna create a family. We call it a relationship, yes it is. But notice, he didn't just, we say he didn't come to establish religion, he came to establish relationship. That's true, but there's another level to that. Not just relationships, but a relationship of lost sons and daughters back into inheritance of a king who sits on a throne and runs a kingdom which expands the entire universe, space, and time. Come on. Come on. We get so reduced down to it's not religion, it's relationship, but we don't take it into its relationship where you are a son and daughter of the king of the universe. Come on, it's not just relationship. It's not like I'm just making a friend or a buddy with Jesus. I'm being brought into an inheritance. I'm bringing brought into a new family line. I am a joint heir. So anyways, that's my little soapbox. It's not what I wanted to talk about right now. But we do need God sows seeds into this soil of building the church realm, the, the what we would consider, you know, planting churches, missionaries, you know, gospel preachers and all that kind of stuff, Bible colleges, this has to take place. Come on. We need up and coming missionaries, up and coming pastors and preachers and youth pastors and people that'll help us with our worship services and will help us in all of that spiritual development and growth. This isn't going away. But let me show you something. This isn't the entirety of the kingdom of God. There are certain individuals that God has called. I know one in particular. I'm gonna walk way over here so camera guys, you're gonna have to keep up with me here. There are certain individuals that God has called into business. And he has sown and planted you in business. But for some reason, when they were a kid, they thought business was evil. 
or worldly, and they thought, oh, I'm not as good as a preacher or as called as a pastor, but you are exactly where God has planted you. Are you seeing this? And the highest thing we can do is obey God. And the entire kingdom is not one mountaintop. And there are people in this field of business that need the gospel. And they'll never darken the door of a church. But you carry the kingdom with you. You see, you don't go to church on Sunday. You are the church. Seven days a week, 24-7. And so when the church goes into business, the church is in business. I like that. You see this? Come on now. Let's get this vision. So I'll go back. I kind of got excited about entertainment because I really feel this one. Like there are people in this house. God has called you into sports. And you let the kingdom of God in you just begin to produce fruit right in front of all those other athletes, all those other arenas that you're in. When you, when you get a platform and a microphone in your face, make sure that, you make, that people know who you believe in, who you're submitted to. Amen. Are you hearing me? But God, here's, here's what we gotta be careful though, is if we, don't do, if we don't do this correctly, we begin to assume everyone that loves God, has a heart after God, is supposed to be planted in this field. We're like, oh, that guy or that girl has a heart after God. They must be a preacher. They must be a pastor. We are preachers in all of these fields. You're a preacher in all of these fields. What you have to ask yourself is what talent, what ability, and where is God sowing you? Because you're always the church. Are you hearing this? Even David, right? David was a king, but he was also a prophet. He was a psalmist. If we would have met David on the street, we would have been like, oh, that guy's supposed to be a worship leader somewhere in a church. No, God wanted him to rule as a king and to go conquer some giants. But we would have looked at his outward ability and said, because he loves God so much, because he's singing all the time and writing poetry, because he's got this prophetic gift, he should go just work in the tabernacle. No, my friend, God wanted him here. We need some prophetic people in business. We need some prophetic people in government. We need some people that love God and they're not afraid to worship and praise God and have sensitive hearts to God, but they can stand in mountaintops of media, they can stand in sports, they can stand in government, they can stand in business and show the world what it looks like to love God and for God to be released through their life. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. I want today for you to begin to see that how God has wired you up and the gifts and the talents and the callings, that's like the husk, that's like the shell that, that holds the kingdom on the inside. But God may have created you in such a way that you were designed. There's a reason you love music. There's a reason you love making movies. There's a reason you love writing books. And please do not sit there and just diminish that and say, well, that's not like real ministry in church. You are church, and everything you lay your hand to do is to the glory of God. That is real ministry. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, if you talk like that, no one's going to want to be a preacher. And Let me say this. 
If God's called you to be a pastor, God's called you to be a missionary, you'll know it. And no one can talk you out of it. You know it. I knew it from a very early age. And some of you find out maybe later in life, but once God tells you this is what you're to be doing, do not worry. So what I'm saying is this, if, if there's not this burning thing in you that says, hey, go be a pastor or go be a missionary, and you have other things that burn on the inside of you, like government, like business, like education, then embrace that as God's calling on your life. Embrace it as you being called into that soil, into that mission field. Come on, church and start speaking life to it rather than saying, oh, I wish I was over there in that mountain doing that for the kingdom when God himself has set the members in the body, right? God himself has chosen which fields to sow you into. Acts chapter 17, I want you to see something here. Acts chapter 17, we see the apostle Paul. This is something else I love about this conversation today. Is the world doesn't really mind if we stand here in this soil and we put all of our energy into this soil, if we'll give them all of those. Right? Remember what I said last week? The, the kingdom of God isn't isolated into Sunday services, into some building called church. The kingdom of God in, encompasses the earth, the universe. Are you hearing me, church? So the devil and the world's like, yeah, they're gonna go play with their Jesus philosophies and their Bible stories on Sunday, and that's cool, but just keep it out of government. Just keep it out of family and education. Just keep it out of entertainment arena. Don't, we don't need you to talk about that. Just make us happy with entertainment, but don't, don't bring that good news. Don't bring that gospel stuff. Don't tell us how to dictate the family. What I'm trying to do today is break down all of those barriers, those mental limitations that tell you you don't belong in those arenas, that somehow your faith, your belief is only allowed in one realm called church or Sunday or religion. That's not understanding the kingdom. God didn't come to make a religion. He's expanding a kingdom. He was never confused about his plan or his role. And he never asks permission whether or not he's allowed into the other realms or other soils or mountaintops. Amen. And so here, I want you to see the Apostle Paul. He also didn't have this inhibition. He didn't have this fear of going into other arenas. He's like, oh, I'm an apostle. I'm just supposed to stay in the synagogue. Look at the Apostle Paul when he went to Athens in Acts chapter 17. Are you there? So Paul is in Athens. He was waiting for his friends. He was deeply troubled by the idols that he saw everywhere in the city. So the, the Holy Spirit was working inside of him when he was in the marketplace, when he was in the city, out where people do business, and he was troubled by the deception, the false gods that this city was serving, because he knows that they're not real. Come on now, we know that these idols and these things that people are serving are doing them a disservice, that these idols and things that people are committing their life to are gonna steal, kill, and destroy from their lives. And we've gotta start getting bothered by what's going on outside of the synagogue, outside of the church buildings. Amen. He went to the synagogue, so there's the soil of religion. He went to the synagogue and he reasoned with the Jews there and God-fearing Gentiles. Then he spoke daily in public squares 
Well, what are the public squares? The public squares are where people did business. That's, that's the entertainment area. That's the business area, right? Out in the, he was in the streets where people are changing and selling, doing business. Possibly there's some poets standing on the street corner. There's some philosophers. Maybe there's some street actors going on there because he's outside. He's not just in the synagogue. Are you hearing me, church? He's outside where people do life out there in Athens. And he's preaching out there. So he's preaching in the synagogue, and now he's preaching in the streets right among the world and the life and the exchanging of money and finance and entertainment that people are a part of. He's in the public square, and he preached to all who happened to be there. Verse 18, he also went and debated some of the Epicureans and Stoics, philosophers, the Bible says. Oh, so now he went from the synagogue to the streets where the marketplace was, where business was, where entertainment was. Now he's going into where the philosophers are. Where's that? Education. So wait a minute, you mean the Apostle Paul sees himself as having a voice, having something to say, something to deposit, not just in the synagogue, but also in the marketplace? Yeah, he can relate in there. And this gospel needs to be preached there too. And you mean now he's going into the, into the places of philosophy? In Athens? one of the most highly philosophical, educated places of the day, and he feels like he's supposed to go in there and stand toe-to-toe with their philosophers? Yes! And so are you. Some of you are meant to stand in some Ivy League schools and be sown in those schools. Amen. Some of you are meant to teach in those arenas. We can't just give them all away to the unbelievers. I understand, myself included, when we want our kids to go to schools that preach the gospel. I understand that. And if we can do that, praise God. And if you feel God's called you to do that, please don't feel guilty about this. Our kids currently go to a private school. And right now we're looking at private schools probably for their university as well. So I'm not saying that's bad. But once again, some of you have something inside of your heart that's calling you to some schools that aren't Christian in name. They're not Christian in doctrine or what they teach. But for some reason, something inside of you says that I feel called and compelled by God to go there. And if God has called you to go there, he's gonna equip you and keep you there. Please don't go there because you're trying to run away from Jesus and hide and go party without your parents looking. Not that that would happen. I'm talking about people, this, look at this is serious stuff. Just like I said, you, you know when God's called you to be a pastor or a missionary, and you can't get away from it. I'm talking about someone who hears from God on this. And I do believe that if God has called you to go to some of those hostile environments, some of those hostile places, it's gonna drive you to your knees. It's gonna cause you to have to hear his voice very hard, but greater is he that is inside of you than he that is in the world. And I don't want you to be afraid to walk into the gates of hell itself. Because if this world's ever gonna change, it's gonna take some people willing to go into those places. You say, well, well, Pastor Kevin, I don't want my kids to do that. Look it, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. But listen, what if your kid wanted to be a missionary and God called him to go into some hostile part of the world? Are you gonna tell him no? I, I, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. But listen, church, this thing's getting serious. 
This time in the planet is getting serious. And God is gonna raise some people up into some mountaintops that yes, they on the outside look very dangerous. But you know what the very safest place to be in life is? The will of God. And the very safest place for your kid to be? The will of God. And you say, Pastor Kevin, what would you do if your kids told you they wanted to go do something like that? I'd have to trust the Lord. I would not, in my spirit, I would have to know it was God, and I believe if it is God, he would tell you to. But at some point, I'm gonna have to let them go. Amen. I'm not saying this is easy. But this is a great work, and this is what kingdom looks like. I didn't know I was gonna be camping on colleges so much today. Are you hearing me, church? The philosophers, so he went to synagogues, he went to the public square where there's marketplace, entertainment, business. He went into the education arena, philosophy. If you jump down, verse 19, then they also took him to the high council of the city. So now the people started listening to what he had to say and they're like, you need to come to the high council and say that. That's the places of government. In this one passage of scripture, we see the apostle Paul saying, look, I am not going to be captured in one one mountaintop. This gospel works and needs to be sown in the marketplace, in education, in government arenas. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. God sows you as a seed. Inside of you is the kingdom. He sows you into these fields, these mountaintops of influence, kingdoms of mankind. Mark chapter 16 Verse 15, this is a familiar passage of scripture, but I want you to hear it with different ears. The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the good news. I want you to replace the word go with so. God sows you into all the world. And in that place he sows you, he commands you to preach the good news. Amen. What does it look like to go into all the world? It looks like going into all these places that create culture, all these places that shape our world. Amen? Go into all. Say all. All the world. Are you hearing this? That means there's no soil of influence that, you, that someone in the body of Christ doesn't have a calling to go in there. Amen. The other thing I think that's important is that we realize the Apostle Paul, and I'll show you some other characters if I have time in a minute, that God may sow you in more than one soil. Come on. For some in the Bible, God put them in government and he also put them in business. God sowed them in the religious realm of a kingdom and then he also sowed them in the business realm of a kingdom. So some of you may get sown into two or three soils, so don't limit yourself to just one. You just keep letting God lead you, my friend. But what I want you to see here is this, go into all the world is gonna look like you being sown into all the soils of the world. And remember what I said, I keep saying that, remember what I said, I must be saying a lot. Seed plus time equals harvest. You say, Pastor Kevin, I've been sown into this education soil for a while and I don't see the change. You just keep growing where he's planted you. You will, the kingdom of God inside of you will prevail. Amen. 
Same thing in government. See, here's the thing. We can pray God removes ungodly people from high places in government, but if there's no one carrying the kingdom in line to replace them, they're just going to get replaced with someone worse. Does that make sense? Think about this. We're like, God, remove that ungodly person. Well, you better also be praying, God, raise up some godly people. Which means some people aren't called to go to Bible college. They're called to go and learn governmental, political things, science and law and things that would create our future senators and governors presidents. And we have to see the godly connection in that. Amen. And you have to commit to not lose your way as you're in that field and not get distracted by things the devil will offer you, just like he tried to offer Jesus on a mountaintop. Amen. Be sown into all the soils. Go into all the world. I pray today that you begin to see yourself as a kingdom carrier. I want you to see where you are sown as God's way of expanding the kingdom. This is how the kingdom expands. It's not just a preacher preaching on a Sunday morning. It's seeds of the word of God being sown in a field. Remember the first scripture we, we preached where the kingdom of God is like a farmer went out in a field and sowed seeds everywhere. God is sowing you into different fields. There's a reason you're wired up the way you're wired up. There's a reason you have passions and things and interests in certain ways because it's drawing you to specific fields. Amen. This is how God expands the kingdom. Grow where you're planted. In your Bibles, just write this down. Read it later this week. I don't have time to teach on it fully. I wanted to give you two Bible characters that you can do a life study on and see what I'm talking about. Daniel and Joseph. Daniel and Joseph, because I want to see this in Scripture, right? I showed you the Apostle Paul, but the life of Daniel. You can even look in Daniel chapter 1 and 2 this week, so we'll make it easy. It's really the whole book, but if you just look in chapter 1 and 2, God sows Daniel into Babylon. Daniel grows where he's planted. He just honors God in that soil. And eventually, tremendous opportunities of influence and impact to protect the people of God, to save nations, are presented to him because he was in that field, Babylon, not even Jerusalem. And I'll say this about both Daniel and Joseph. This is a, this is a whole sermon in itself, but I really felt I needed to share this. Well, real quick, let me say Joseph, and I'll share you that piece. Joseph was sown into Egypt, went through Potiphar's house. He was lied about. He started to succeed. He was lied about. If you don't know these stories, that's found in Genesis 37, chapter 37 through Genesis 46. Please read them later this week. It's the first book of the Bible. Joseph is, is betrayed by his brothers, thrown in a pit. They're going to kill him. He's then sold into a slave, slavery, into Potiphar's house, this guy named Potiphar, rich guy named Potiphar. He's succeeding. Potiphar's wife looks at him and says, wow. And he says, whoa. <laughs> and she says, what she says, he says no. And then she throws him in jail for it. 
That's the edited version. <laughs> he succeeds in prison. And then he gets called to the palace at some point because the pharaoh, the king, has a dream he can't interpret. It's troubling him. And he gets called to the palace and he interprets the dreams. So both Daniel and Joseph, Daniel's sown into Babylon, Joseph's sown into Egypt. Are you following me? Here's the interesting part about both these stories. Both of them were sown into these soils through unfavorable and negative circumstances. I felt like this was important to bring up today. They grew in the fields they were sown into. Their growth was not limited by the environments they were sown into. You say, well, this is wicked Egypt. This is wicked Babylon. Didn't matter. The kingdom of God was inside of Joseph and Daniel. You hear this? The, the soil of the environment of that darkness didn't stop the growth of the seed on the inside of them, the potential on the inside of them. You have to see that. Their fields were government and economy and religion. So Daniel, both Daniel and Joseph, they were sown into Egypt or Babylon, but they produced fruit in government. Joseph predominantly produced fruit in the economy because he helped stay off of a, a famine, prevent the famine from affecting like, the food, the money of Egypt. So he had an economic fruit that came out of his life. Daniel was more so government, just in the government realm and religious realm because the kings that were met Daniel ended up worshiping the God of Daniel, which is pretty awesome. But listen to this. They were both planted through unfavorable events. Do not limit your planting to getting everything you want, doing everything you want, or going everywhere you want. There is something in our belief system and in our Bible where God can even order your steps through negative circumstances. It's important. Because there are people that I've even worked with, I remember offering them opportunities, and they're like, that can't be God because it doesn't pay enough. And I'm going to wait until I get what I believe I'm worth or something. Are you hearing me, church? That can't be God because there's risk. That can't be God because it's dangerous. That can't be God because it's unfavorable or there's negative people there. That would make me so uncomfortable. Are you hearing me? Please don't interpret this to say God will only sow you in the places you want to go. in the time and season you feel good about it. Now, yes, does God work with our desires? Of course he does. I also believe that Daniel and Joseph, being right in the middle of those situations, ended up receiving the life they could never have imagined. But they wouldn't have chosen that path. Are you hearing me? They wouldn't have chosen that path of being sown because it looked unfavorable. It was tormenting. It started off in rocky situation. I think it's important that we have this in our belief system. 
Some of you think because you lost a job and you've had to take a job that you didn't necessarily want, that somehow maybe you're not right on course with the plan of God. But I'm telling you that even if you lost a job and you're working at a job that you wouldn't have chosen, perhaps God in that soil will produce more than you possibly could have ever imagined. But you wouldn't have chosen this new job. You wouldn't have chosen this new field. It was uncomfortable how you got here. It wasn't what you went to school for. I don't know how to interpret this better for you. But I'm trying to help you see nothing will stop the kingdom in you. Just continue to grow wherever God's planted you. Are you hearing me? And sometimes some of the most unfavorable circumstances that positions you in a certain soil that you never would have chosen end up being what saves us all. Like Daniel and Joseph. Daniel and Joseph never would have chosen either of these sowing opportunities for their life. But perhaps some of these hostilities, some of this difficulty, this adver adverse adversity that you're being sown into, maybe it's because you're, God is doing something through you that's going to save the entire thing. Would you be willing to do it if you knew that that was the outcome at the end? Absolutely. Is this making sense to you today, church? So God will sow you. Sometimes it'll be in the way you saw and the way you've chosen, the way you hoped. But sometimes God may even use negative circumstances to get you moving. Amen. Or allow negative circumstances, you might say, to get you moving. You could see it in Acts chapter 1, 8 and Acts chapter 8, 1. You can look it up later. In Acts chapter 1, 8, he says, you're going to go preach this gospel, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Acts 1, 8. You follow me? And you know what they did for the next seven chapters? They stayed in Jerusalem. And so you know what Acts 8, 1 is? It's the flip, right? Acts 1, 8, Acts 8, 1. It's the flip. You know what, you know what happened? Great persecution started. And you want to know what they did? They fled. Where? to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and they went and brought the kingdom wherever they went. Come on. So what do I do as a seed once I'm sown in the soil? Grow where you're planted. Here's what a seed does. You speak what you say and what you do in that soil is the releasing of your seed power. Do you hear me, church? What you say and what you do while you're in these soils is the releasing of the seed power. And your fruit will continue to fall into the soil that you've been planted, and it will produce more just like you in that soil. Do you hear what I just said? Because inside of your fruit is a thousand more little seeds. And so you stand in the soil in what you say and what you do, and you live for God. And you're the best in this field that you could possibly be. And you produce much fruit, and that fruit, as it is produced, will fall into the soil. And a hundred more just like you will start to rise in that soil. 
I speak it over you. I know this to be the kingdom principle of expansion, and I hope it captures your heart today that what you're doing is sacred, what you're doing is of God. You are moving through this planet. God has already developed the strategy to overcome the kingdoms of this world. It's about time we start picking up with this strategy and doing it intentionally and putting some faith behind it. Go ahead and stand. Let's close in a word of prayer. Did you get anything out of that today, church? Amen. Go ahead and stand up. Let me pray this into your life. I believe this is one of the most important messages you could have heard because it helps you understand how things work and the call of God on your life and the sacredness of what it is you put your hand to do. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for this house. I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for the seeds that stand in front of me right now. And inside of them is the kingdom of God. And Lord, you have wired them up to be planted in multiple fields in this earth. I pray you begin to awaken some of these dreams and visions again. We need the government leaders to come out of this house. We need some missionaries and preachers. We need educators. We need people in music and in, 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 in movies and media, entertainment and journalists and book writers and people to lead family and business and economy to do all these things, God. We call them forth. We call them forth out of this house. And God, we ask that you help us to see the calling on our life, to know what to do with where we are sown. And God, I pray you produce great fruit through us, that inside of that fruit, there are seeds for others that will spring up in these fields. God, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you glory in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate that today? Amen. Here's what I'd like to do. I'm gonna call our altar teams to the front if they can get ready to pray for you. I would like to give you an opportunity today before you leave, if you would just please be patient for two minutes to give your heart to Jesus, to access the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means every single one of us needs a savior. The Bible goes on to say that the wages of sin is death, which is separation from God, even hell, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say how? All who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from sin, saved from hell, but saved into the kingdom of God, the family of God. And so today I want to give you an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord to save you. You might say, Pastor Kevin, I've never prayed a prayer to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. Or you might say, I used to have a walk with God, but I've walked away and I'd like a restart. I want to give you an opportunity to pray today. So if everyone just bow your heads and close your eyes, all I'm going to do is simply count to three. When I do, if you need to give your heart to Jesus today for the first time or to recommit your life to Jesus, then just raise your hand and we'll pray for you right where you are. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you just put your hand up wherever you are today? Just put a hand up high and we'll pray for you to commit your life to Jesus. I want to agree with you today. Put it up, put it up, put it up. I need to get right with God. I need to get right with God. I see a hand way back there. Congratulations. A second hand down there. Awesome. Anybody else? All right, let's pray together, would you? Nobody praying by themselves. Pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. 
I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. Please wash me, cleanse me. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those two? Welcome to the family. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.